This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right. Welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. This is Trev and... This is Steve. What is going on, Steven? Same old, brother. Same old. Just trying to hold it down, get back into the run of the normal life out here on the farm and enjoying how about you i i hear that man still on the water things are absolutely out of control the striper bite starting to get um completely underway here in the new england um sea bass porky fishing it's been just hectic and crazy and uh it's just nice to be back to the life on the salt hell yeah well i got tired of the uh the small mouth bite here between the rain and the river changing and whatnot so last night we mixed it up we went to a buddy's pond down the road he's a disabled vet fully he's paralyzed from the neck down and the kids got i'm gonna say it's an acre and a half pond and oh, i'm sorry you showed me that yeah and it is incredible it's it's what he lives for is to maintain this pond and he has got some incredible largemouth bass in there so we went out with fly rods last night and we slayed them. That's awesome. Between any big ones? Yeah, we had a couple of two pounders. Uh, he's got some 10 pounders in there, but they're out in the middle of the pond. And frankly, I could never cast a fly line that long. I'm just not that good. But working the edges and whatnot, between me and another guy, we probably smoked 50 fish in an hour and a half. Wow, that's it was awesome. nuts. It was. It's fun. that crazy in that pond, huh? Yeah, it's it. The kids done a great job building it. I mean, it's insane. That's and awesome, dude. For a bunch of idiots like us that don't know what we're doing to take fly rods and drill that many fish on the top water was mm-hmm. awesome. Hell yeah, dude! That's fucking great. And that's about the most exciting thing I've done. So. I got to do some porgy fishing today because we had four customers on the boat. So for you guys that don't know, porgies are like uh, like the pumpkin seed of the ocean. So I got to do a little bit of that. That was my excitement for the day. Nice. Um, we did get into some big stripers and stuff the past couple of days, some big fish. So it was cool. We got one that was, uh, I think, around 40 pounds, 43 inches um, the other day. So that means that the big girls are starting to show up. So that means... Uh, it's time for me to start investigating and see if they're around. There you go. Start doing some of that night fishing again. Yep. There you I'm are. Actually, um, what would be tomorrow, 
I'm actually will. Oh no, fuck! It'll be today because this comes out on Tuesday, right? Yeah. Yes, so it'll be it'll be right now while you're listening to this. I am actually offshore shark fishing. Well, shark and tuna fishing. I'm headed out to somewhere near the butter hole, butterfish hole, and uh, gonna go out there and try and kill mako or probably some bluefin or whatever else that we can actually find. So, nice. Be the first uh, offshore trip. Yet, uh, I missed out on one two weeks ago with some buddies of mine. I ended up having to work, and uh, they absolutely hammered it. They went uh, twenty-seven for forty-two. Wow! So, yeah, uh, all footballs, all unders, um, unders because you because there's unders overs. So there's commercial fish, and then there's uh, I don't really actually know. Uh, I'm not gonna bullshit you. Uh, unders, so they have there's a slot obviously, so you have to be under a certain inch and then over a certain inch i don't even know i'd have to look it up i don't do much offshore fishing so but they hammered them um they came in with their limit of unders so kind of cool hell yeah fuck yeah so so it'd be nice to be offshore and kind of hang out and see what's up hopefully kill a big mako or a thresher or some blue fins or whatever else we can get our hands on sounds like a good that. time the yeah, only time i ever exciting. went offshore after uh, hammerheads uh, we were in 14-foot swells out in the canyons, and the closest I got is I puked over the deck and was about a foot away from a hammerhead's fin. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and at that point, even the captain's like, nah, we're done. We're out of here. We yeah, were the last boat in. So That's funny. I felt good about that. At least we beat the uh, the hardcore guys. We stayed out a little longer before we just couldn't handle it. Yeah, it's never good when it, when in shark infested waters and things start to go south. It's never good. Um, actually, one time some of you might hear heard this story before, but uh, I was with the uh, ghost and we were commercial bass fishing off of um, P Town. Uh, we came out of Sandwich in Massachusetts, and we had gone all the way down from there down to Chatham, down to the golf ball, and we we were striper fishing. And we had close to our limit. And we turn around and there's just these giant swells. They were giant. Uh, I want to say like eight footers. And we start moving along and the swells get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. By the time we got to the point where the race is at the tip of P-Town, it was double what we had started with. Um, Jeez. 10s, 12s, 14s. Um, we actually thought about putting the, the boat up on shore multiple times. And... Uh, we thank God we didn't, and we just kind of we went all the way up and around, and then we came back in into the what we thought was going to be calmer water inside the bay. Um, what normally would be about an hour ride was about six and a half hours. Um, but that night we we drank our faces off in the bar. I kissed the ground when I got to shore, and um, we had actually read a report that there was three great whites seen at the tip of p-town that day so that could have been bad you can have that (laughs) (laughs) that's all you man yeah so that was my crazy offshore experience i talk about all the time about the time i died and it was actually kind of funny is um it was my wife's birthday at the time so it's been uh (laughs) it's been a year reunion uh on the 25th a couple of days ago and uh i actually called my wife and told her i probably wasn't coming home so that's probably a great birthday present right yeah oops yeah that's a good Oopsies. way to uh keep the wife happy or not 
<laughs> of course, then again, she may have been going, please let it be true. Please let it be true. <laughs> well, she does have life insurance policy on me. So exactly. <laughs> do you blame her? <laughs> so. Now I could never but, see Michelle being that way against you. No, why? No, why would she be that way? <laughs> Most of you that know me know it's probably a good idea that she has a life insurance policy. <laughs> exactly. But, oh, that's American as it comes. Speaking about American as it comes, did you see that uh, that profile picture that we're throwing up with the episode? Yeah, Eagle shit and Budweiser's. <laughs> Eagle shit and Budweiser's, the Budweiser horses, a Buffalo Chuck Norris, and of course our guest. So, yep. I mean, you don't get much more American than the uh, the photo he kicked over for the cover art. No, I, I couldn't believe it when he was sending. He was making it. We had talked about it, and he actually made it true. And uh, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, it started as a joke, and he's like, "No, dude, I'll, I'll seriously, I'll make it happen." Yeah, and he he, did, he didn't disappoint. <laughs> he's like the jack of all trades, man. Like I can't believe, you know, all the things that he does for other people. Um, and he's not one that pulls the trigger all the time. So it was kind of cool to hear that and what he actually does for you know combat vets and you know all, all the stuff that he does for you know the greater good um, with the with the kids um, with the vets so on and so forth um, even even as far as I had tuned into his YouTube page yesterday um, and he had put up a new video and it was it was about how if you send your production video or your video that you have, um, he will, he wants to work with somebody and actually give them some equipment and stuff to kind of get them started. So talk about somebody who gives back, uh, to the hunting community. I mean, there is no, no one more than him. Uh, so it's, it's good to catch up with, with Ryan and, and really, uh, have, have a good conversation with him. Yeah, for sure. He's just, Salt of the earth, people. I mean, just a great guy. I mean, you can't really complain about anything. His backstory, where he's come from, what he went through to get to where he is, and what he does now for everyone else is insane. And he's fun yeah. to talk to. Man, it was a blast. Oh, I could have had him on for days uh, and, and just talked to him on and on and on. Well, we uh, stayed on for friends. another hour and a half after we recorded just bullshitting. So yeah, exactly. I mean, some of that, I wish we would have just recorded because it was oh. hilarious. Well, that's like when we had started and we had gotten deep in a conversation and, and we were both like, no, we got to record this. We got to restart recording because we're going to get too lost in conversation. And that's, I think that a lot of our best talks are before or after we hit the record button. Yeah, you're right. They're going to miss out on all the, uh, the army versus Marine Corps jokes and jabbering the crayon eating the window licking, you know, all of that <laughs> fun stuff. Um, but you know, we don't hold that against our Marines cause yeah, they fight hard. They fight well, they don't have to be smart. That's just what they do right <laughs> no but, but really so this awesome. guy's he's the real deal he, he's a good guy um shared a lot of stories with him back and forth you know some of the different shitholes we got to hang out with in iraq um you know he was there a couple years before i was he was in afghanistan no he was in iraq 
Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. He didn't. He he was fortunate enough not to make it to Afghanistan. Oh, that's what but he was, was in Iraq yeah. during some of the shittiest points that it had. Oh, so it was you you went to Afghanistan. Yeah, I was in Afghanistan oh, okay, and Iraq. So because okay. we originally started talking one, the other. about uh, Disneyland out in Afghanistan, and that's when he clarified. He's like, "No, I didn't get to make it over to that show hole." So that started the whole conversation. Ah, uh, that's what it was. And that's I knew, when we, I knew, I, I knew yeah. you went to both, and there was one that he didn't go to. Yeah, he was fortunate. He didn't have to go to the shithole. But uh, it was fun to make the jokes and just kind of tell stories and swap bullshit about some of the different places, you know, Ramadi and Baghdad and some of the other hell holes that we all got to play in. That's and awesome. It's always good to talk to a brother because, I mean, we connect in a way that a lot of people don't. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do I hear something coming in? You do. Maybe I think we... Yep, there it is. Let's let's crank it up. Sounds like we got uh, today's episode of News for Your Cruise. Hey everyone, Mike here with some news for your cruise. We're going to start this one off with a bang. If you haven't heard, the Great American Outdoors Act was passed by the U.S. Senate by a vote of 73 to 25. This act fully funds the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Uh, it's going to be $9.5 billion uh, to the Department of Interior over the next five years uh, for to address the backlog of maintenance projects across National Wildlife Refuge System, um, the Bureau, Bureau of Indian Education, and other government-managed lands. Uh, the Land and Water uh, Conservation Fund will be funded with 900 up to $900 million annually to expand and establish park spaces across the country. Uh, the Land and Water Conservation Fund is widely considered the nation's best funding tool for outdoor recreation, and every single county in the country has had a project uh, aided by the fund. Uh, funding uh, has been expanded to the U.S. Forest Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and Bureau of Land Management. Uh, of the $9.5 billion allocated over the next five years, 70% of that will be going to the National Park Service, 15% to the Forest Service, and 5% each to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Bureau of Land Management, and Bureau of Indian education. Uh, these are going to be for infrastructure work, including roads, trails, campsites, launches, etc. Um, available for you know outdoor recreation, including hunting and fishing. Uh, this funding for federally managed lands and waters will ensure uh, the public's ability to uh, access critically important hunting, fishing, and recreational shooting opportunities. Uh, the lands administered by these agencies support more than 25 million hunting days and nearly 45 million fishing days, according to the Congressional Sportsman Foundation. Uh, the bill is going to the House, uh, where it has strong bipartisan support, but get out there, call your representatives, email them, uh, let them know where you stand on this as you know, a hunter, a fisher, an outdoorsman, uh, and have a voice and make your opinion known. So 
with that, uh, bears also seem to be making waves across the country. Uh, we're going to start out in Alaska. Um, Alaska black bear and brown bear hunters uh, that were unable to hunt due to coronavirus this year may actually have a chance to fill those tags. Uh, resident and non-resident 2020 tags for several units have been moved to the 2021 and 2022 seasons. So if you're one of those folks, uh, check the department's website uh, to see if your residency and unit has allowed your tags to be used in one of those upcoming seasons. Uh, in Missouri, where black bear population has been estimated now to be between 540 and 840 bears, um, the Missouri Department of Conservation has proposed a limited black bear hunt for the fall of 2021. This is brand new, and if approved, it would be the first black bear hunt in modern Missouri history. Uh, the State Conservation Commission must still approve um, and actually close the public comment period on the proposal on June 5th. The public comment period, uh, there were 3,300 responses um, from the public with 67% of respondents being opposed uh, to the proposal for the season. Uh, interesting enough, uh, those opposed were divided by not only those against hunting, but those who didn't like some of the details of the plans, including uh, establishing a quota and holding the hunt during the deer season. But there were over a thousand respondents supported to the plan. Uh, if approved, uh, the hunt will only be open to Missouri residents. It'll start the third Monday of October and last either 10 days or until the quotas are reached. Quotas would be one bear per hunter and quotas would be set for each of three bear management uh, zones um, separately. Uh, baiting and the use of dogs would be prohibited. Uh, landowners would receive at least 10% of the permits per management zone and um, pretty reasonable cost. The cost uh, for these residents would be $10 for the lot to enter the lottery and only $25 uh, for a permit if you were selected. So hopefully that goes through. And if it does, good luck to any of you out there. Um, let's head east to Maine. Uh, some more bears. Uh, Department of Inland Fish and Wildlife received a petition for rulemaking uh, with 150 resident signatures requesting changes to the bear baiting rules in Maine. Uh, initially, the department didn't schedule a public hearing, uh, but were requested to do so by opponents of the rule. The public hearing is scheduled for July 8th at 4 p.m. and will be a virtual public hearing. Uh, if any of you would like information on how to uh, watch or participate in that hearing, contact Becky Orff, B-E-C-K-Y dot O-R-F-F at Maine.gov uh, to get that information. Again, be heard. Um, I'm sure the opposing side will be. Um, the proposed rule would amend the current bear hunting rules uh, by establishing a bear baiting season 
baiting would require a permit and the number of permits would be reduced every year so that at the end of 10 years no baiting would be allowed so this would be a gradual progression of a decrease in baiting permits and eventually in 10 years there would be no more baiting of black bears in maine so now let's head to the west coast to washington state uh, washington department of fish and wildlife is seeking public comments on proposed recommendations for hunting contests and hunting um, restriction rules uh, the two proposals are for excluding species that do not have bag limits from hunting contests uh, and making it illegal to participate in a hunting contest that the department has not permitted. Uh, the Department of Fish and Wildlife will be accepting written comments on the proposals through July 14th. Those can be submitted uh, by email to rules.coordinator at dfw.wa.gov or by mail to the Wildlife Program, Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, P.O. Box 43200, Olympia, Washington, area code 98504. Uh, the commissions will also be accepting comments um, via a webinar on July 30th and August 1st. And with that, our last bit of news today uh, was sent in by listener Steve Mardick and brings us to Utah, where 10-year-old Tyler Grimshaw caught and released by himself a 41-pound lake trout. Although not a record, it's still an impressive catch. So congratulations to Tyler, um, and thanks, Steve, for the news. As always, if you have any news that you'd like to share, um, please contact me on Facebook at Mike Salter or on Instagram at bearded underscore bowhunter21. Um, and with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. All right, then. Thank you, Mike Salter, for that one. The news for the cruise. That was a good one, dude. Wow. Oh, for sure. You know, Some good news in that one, man. People are really going to want to hear about that. Jeez. Anybody that's been following the whole vote situation on the, the LWCF funding, the Great American Outdoors Act, uh, this is a big win, but it's not over yet. So make sure you guys stay on it. Call your representatives. Pull them. Let them know you want it to go through and let's make it happen because this is going to be big not only for the hunting community for the fishing community but your local parks you know where you take your kids in the middle of town to go play this money can help fund that and make it better or make it new as well as different public land accesses and et cetera. Sorry, I can go on around about this all day, but the, <laughs> the moral of like the story of is, yeah, the moral of the story is call your representatives and give them your thoughts and opinions. Tell them we want this to go through. This could be huge. Enough Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. I'll yeah, back thanks off. Thanks Mike Salter on that one, man. That was a good one. It hit, hit home real well. Oh man. You know, we should probably thank the people that make this all possible too. Yeah, we got uh, quite a few partners out there who keep us kicking. That keep us, we keep helping, helping each other. You say they, they fuel the ride? They fuel, they do fuel the drive. Yeah. Go I'm ahead and uh, run them down. Give them a shout out. All right, let's do it. Uh, first off, let's thank Wild Edge Inc. WildEdgeInc.com, Drew Walter, the mobile, look, 
I can't talk. Right <laughs> there now. you go. Right, yep. Yep. You're tired. <laughs> the leader. The leader in mobile hunting. Uh, get your perch. Your your aiders. Your swaders. Your naders. Um, all your steps. As I say every single week. Uh, also, Nor'easter Game Calls. Mark at nor'eastergamecalls.com. Make sure to go and check him out. All of your Evo series grunt calls. Um, he's really got some good stuff coming this year uh, with the fall season turkey pot calls, um, your duck calls, your goose calls, your squirrel calls. You name it, he makes it. Check him out, nor'eastergamecalls.com. Broadside Camo, broadsidecamo.com. Uh, Scott Shear over there, great partner with us. Uh, he has the Sender Series with his Sender Series sweatshirt, the uh, Closer, the Omega, you name it. Um, the Pitcher Realism Camouflage, man, for you saddle hunters. And actually, Street Sand Hunters also. So go and check them out, broadsidecamo.com. Use promo code uh, Outdoor Drive on that one. Uh, Wicked and Twisted Bowstrings, uh, wickedandtwistedbowstrings.com. Uh, Jill over there at Trader Jans, she has uh, Wicked and Twisted Bowstrings. Check her out. Uh, we got a little promo code over there. It's Outdoor Drive 15, um, capital O, capital D, capital D, 15. So. Um, and I totally look forward to uh, getting mine swapped out because after the shoot, mine are looking pretty ragged. I know. I, you know, and I, I think I'm going to get new ones on the cure. So I definitely can't wait for that for this season. I just want to get everything all tuned in. So it'll be Hell nice yeah. to have those on for this coming up season. Also, um, Deathwish Coffee, deathwishcoffee.com, fueled by death. Um, and Deathcast, if you guys haven't heard it, go and check it out. I say the same thing every single week. Promo code Outdoor Drive 10. Um, that's cracking a cup. Actually, it said someone that I was drinking it the other morning and somebody had asked me about it. And I'm like, I don't know. You better be careful with this stuff. It's no joke. It's high test. Um, but check them out. Outdoor Drive. Oh, uh, yeah. Outdoor Drive 10 on that one, I think. Um, <laughs> who else? Uh, oh, uh, the new one that we're partnered with here, um, Bowfishing Magazine. If you guys haven't gone and checked that out, bowfishingmagazine.com, go and check them out. Subscribe. Uh, they have a virtual online uh, magazine for bowfishing. Uh, definitely go and check those guys out. Big, big partners here at the Outdoor Drive. Also, uh, the Hunter Site, huntersite.com. It's an algorithm. Uh, you're online journal um for your hunting season so now's the time you can start plugging and playing some of your pictures and kind of get the features to what's going on um on your the lay of the land so check them out huntersite.com and that is it there's some other people i'd like to thank too but we'll just leave them out of it for this one <laughs> all right i'm running i'm, I'm long-winded on this one so well you're also burnt out. You've been burning the candles at both ends. So I love doing that. It's that time of year, my friend. It's, Indeed. It's all right. We get four months of sleep. Well, not really because we roll into deer season. Then we roll into duck season. It's fucking never ending. Yeah. So. Every time we're like, okay, we're almost to that break where we can take a rest. And yeah. then you forget. Nope. That's this season. Nope. That's that season. It's never ending in our households. I, I know that, you know, like now, now's the time that, you know, like for myself, make the money, but I'm fishing. So I'll fish during the day, fish at night. Then we roll right into early season deer season. And then October's blackfish season. 
Um, so I'm still hunting throughout that. And then after deer season, then it goes into sheds. Well, not even because we have yeah, duck hunting season. Duck season. All, you know, saltwater duck season up with uh, Dan on Ducks on the Bay. We've been talking about some new stuff up there for this coming up season. He's got a new uh, layout boat, uh, Core Sound, two manned. So if you guys are looking to do a, a, a sea duck hunt, go and check him out at ducksonthebay.com. Uh, he's got some really badass shit and maybe possibly you could be hunting with me um so no they actually want to kill a bird trev oh they go out with you 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 know we've seen the videos we know what you do to those ducks when they come in yeah they don't want to hunt with me (laughs) um so then it rolls into shed season i mean it's just never ending here i mean same for you man i mean you guys are gonna hit it hard getting ready for bear season and whatever else and it's going to be never ending. So, so is my conversation. So why don't we, uh, <laughs> should we add, should we do our, ser- this, this, our segment is now, now a good time for that segment. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, it, it'd be a good time to roll in a piece of that segment. And, uh, why don't you give us another one of your peculiar views into life with a derelict life with a derelict. Oh man. Where can I go with this one? Life with a derelict. Um, I don't want to tell that one yet. That one's, they're not ready for that story. yet. <laughs> That's the problem is there are so many. <laughs> there is life with a derelict is, is definitely one of those things that, yeah, it's, uh, it gets a little crazy. I'm a little bit on the spot here. I'm not really sure of a good one. All right, so there was this one time that I was with the derelict, and we're going out into the woods, we're haunting, and this is, you know, I had just met the derelict, and he's telling me, you know, I'm a ninja, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a warrior, you know, I'm very quiet in the woods, you know, we got to be ninjas in the woods. So we start going down this one trail, and all right, yeah, we're very quiet. Then we go to break off the trail onto regular woods, and all I can hear is... I'm like, what the fuck? Dude is not a ninja in the woods. And <laughs> come to find out, he's scared everything out of the woods. We didn't see anything the whole entire time. So that's life with a derelict. Well, I guess it's a lot easier to be quiet down there in Texaco in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> with slippers. <laughs> yes, yes. And a pincho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. So. All right, let's get on with the show. Enough about the derelicts. <laughs> right. Well, let's go back to something a little more American, a little something a little more hardcore, and uh, let's drop this in with Ryan the Buddha from Ryan Off the Grid. on the phone we are we got ryan off the grid how are you ryan i'm good thanks for having me on 
Oh, thanks. Thanks for taking the time to join us. I know you got, especially between all of your busy schedule and everything you got going on. Uh, happy to be here. It, it is quite the crazy life of balancing family, fatherhood, and outdoors 24-7-365. Oh, it must be nice, man. It must be awesome. I was just saying that to a, a friend of mine because he's like, man, what do you do all day? And I was like, I will give you my phone for one day and don't do anything but manage my inbox and my Instagram and my Facebook. And he's like, yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I kind of love that. So like I'm, I'm a fisherman by trade as most people who are listening know. Um, and everyone's like, Oh, it must be nice. You can go fishing all day. And I'm like, no, no, I wish that that was the case, but it's not by any means. Yeah. Trev's not flipping the rod. No, he's doing well, the dirty just, work for everyone else. Just my handle there, you know, Ryan off the grid is kind of an oxymoron because I, I spend as much time on the computer editing and booking and networking and doing all the stuff to, behind the scenes to make something happen that like I'm on the grid a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> you live on the grid. <laughs> so why don't we do this? Why don't we turn the key, man, get this thing underway and we'll start the drive, man. Why don't you tell everybody who you are, where you're from and what you do? Well, I'm Ryan Bodwin, Ryan off the grid. I am a Marine Corps veteran, uh, combat vet, from, uh, served in Iraq. Um, after I got out, uh, spent some time uh, working for the federal government, unfortunately, sitting in a cubicle. And between alcoholism and losing my parents, my life kind of spun out of control and put me in a position where the outdoors saved my life and became my everyday. Um, so I'm a jack of all trades uh, within the outdoor and media industry. Uh, my business card says professional champion and expert. Expert of what? Who knows? It just says expert. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Because I, I don't really have a title. I, I do it all. I mean, I, I book, I guide, I film, I photo. Um, and put together hunts for for vets put together hunts for kids i mean it's anything i can do to to uh be outdoors and 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 put together positive messages uh through my films uh i'm i'm doing it absolutely man and i think it's awesome because you you bring them to do all different kinds of hunts man it's not just one thing well i mean I mean, my Instagram says waterfaller first, and 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 that 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 is absolutely a fact. I mean, ducks are my first love. Um, I mean, I've I, I didn't start out duck hunting. Uh, it it's become almost an obsession. Uh, waterfall of any sorts, whether it's you know shooting puddle ducks or in layout blinds in a, in a field hammering geese and puddle ducks, um, or big water layout boats or sea ducks. I mean, ducks are my thing, but I mean, it, I don't limit myself to that. Um, I, I like to hunt everything. I think, I think each individual species has a certain draw to it, you know, like spring turkey hunting, just the gobblers firing off in the roost. I mean, just gets me going. That's like the coolest thing about that hunt. And each hunt has something special about it. Each species has something special about it. So I, I can't limit myself just to one uh, and specialize in something. So I guess if, if when you're bringing people hunting, say like uh, veterans, do you find that one type of hunting connects with them better than another? I, I think duck hunting is a great fit for that because 
you don't really have to be fully disciplined. Like if I'm big game hunting, I, I like to kind of do it by myself because it, it's more of a intimate hunt. But there's a different level of intimacy in the hunt of uh, of ducks with with the camaraderie, and you know you don't have to like sit there and be quiet and put on uh, you know the scent block and stuff you're sitting in a blind and just basically talking smack to each other and laughing and having a good time until oh there's the birds get down all right they're coming and and that i think bodes well to to veterans in a group um because it, it kind of makes them feel like they're they're back in a little platoon and even if you only got like three or four guys in your boat and the next boat's got three or four guys you get back to the launch and it's just telling stories it was like being out on patrol it it it, it it's a good way to introduce people to hunting because there isn't a, a large need for for discipline and stealth until the birds are up in the air. Oh, for Absolutely. sure. That it, I can completely connect with what you're talking about because I mean it's like, uh, for instance, this weekend at the shoot, we had a bunch of bow hunters all together get together. We can all sit and bust each other's chops just like it was back then when you were out on patrol and that's what you did to stay sane. And that was the fun part about it and the camaraderie. And then when the birds come in, as opposed to a deer, you know, you get that quick anticipation that you're getting down, you're ready to go. And when it's time to go, you got a snapshot, you know, it's, it's ready up and shoot, you know? So yep. it's, it's just instinctual and it's what you're used to as a vet. So I completely get where you're coming from. But, but the guides and the and waterfallers as a culture too, I think, uh, fit well together. I mean, we do a hunt in Wisconsin every year, uh, the Horicon Marsh Veterans Hunt. Uh, I think it's eleventh year this year. We and we started with five guy, five vets, and this thing has blossomed. I think we took eighty five vets out last year. Wow! And fully guided. Uh, uh, housing and uh, and lodging and food all taken care of, and everybody comes back to the boat launch, and they got this compound there uh, with a couple uh, boat houses and a fire pit, and it's it's the guides and the vets just blend together so well because I mean to be a good duck hunter, whether you're a vet or not, you got to be a, 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 an expert in shit talking, and, and they are so. for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they've been training to shit talk the whole their whole entire lives oh, it's great and watching these guys come back you know i'd, I'd say 50 percent of the guys that come every year are return vets and 50 percent are new which is a, a good thing to have that good blend and watching these relationships that develop between our volunteers and and our vets i mean i'll, I'll see it on social media you'll see the banter going you know guys that were in the same boat together three years not just you know continuing the smack talk on on a, a facebook post but like you know hey you know how's the family and and that's cool to see those relationships develop and, and be maintained absolutely yeah. and it, that goes a long way uh as you experienced as i experienced you know you come home to a completely different world and you don't quite know how to connect so when you make those connections they are life-changing Absolutely. It, 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 it's hard for a lot of guys to come back to a small town and not have that brotherhood and that camaraderie available to them like this event does and like the events that we're trying to continue to put on and expand. Um, you know, we, we've got a pretty solid group of, 
of local guys here in Wisconsin that are part of this. And, and it, we kind of absorb the, the guys that show up. And, and I mean, there, there, there's a group message going on right now between, I think, seven guys and only three of us have served together. But it's, I mean, it, this group message has been going on for seven years. And I think I couldn't even post pictures of what's going on in that, that message. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to explain that one. I feel you. Right. It's just it's it's a tight bond of boys, and and it, it, it's like it's like we've known each other forever. That's so awesome, and and I think that's the hunting buddies. And now that you you take you take veterans that have fought overseas together, and like you're saying, that come back to to you know not the small town camaraderie and brotherhood and then you put them together in the woods and now they build that again um because they can bond with those guys well i mean even on a smaller scale when i do specialty hunts you know like we're doing a, a sea duck hunt in maine uh with bold coast uh for common eiders we're doing a sea duck hunt in washington we're doing a sea duck hunt or a diver duck hunt in New York on Lake Ontario, you know, we, we can't take 80 guys on those. We're taking five or six and, and we just did one in Arkansas, uh, last year for speckle belly. And, you know, there's, there was six guys and over the course of the weekend, I mean, even immediately when the, the guys showed up on Friday at the lodge and, you know, have a beer or two and, get to know each other like that, that that bond started immediately and i like seeing these groups continue that bond even though you know one guy lives in oklahoma one guy lives in north dakota it, even though they didn't specifically serve together they have that bond of service and they have that bond of that hunt that they shared absolutely and so so how long have you been doing what you're doing with the veterans I was just looking at it during turkey season because four years ago, I picked up a camera for the first time to film a turkey hunt in Texas. Um, from there, it was basically a trial and error and lots of error <laughs> of, of filming. And uh, I mean, I always kind of had a photography knack. That part came natural. But the, the filming and editing took a little bit to basically just get hands-on into the, the, the program and, and teach myself how to do stuff. And within the next year and a half, I mean, I was already on TV with uh, the Backcountry Traditions team on Pursuit Channel, did that for two seasons. And within those two seasons, I started realizing how much opportunities I was getting to the point where, like, I mean – I can wheel and deal pretty much any hunt I want within reason. You know, they're not going to give me an African lion for free, but I mean, they, it, I can make something happen because of my filming and photo and, and social media presence. I was like, why don't I just start putting these on for these other guys? I mean, that was, that was framed into the being part of that Horicon event for several years. So like I, I saw what they were doing and I wanted to replicate that with the opportunities I was receiving for other guys. So I'd, I'd say only about two or three years we've been doing the bed hunts and it's exploded to the point where like outfitters are contacting me. People are contacting me, figuring out how to, how they can donate. Uh, I mean, we don't have a shortage of volunteers by any means. Um, it, it, I, I have to basically get a calendar going. I'm booked out until 
May of next year already. And within the next probably month, I'm going to start putting 2021 fall and 2022 winter events on the calendar because that's how far out we're, we're, we're starting to get stuff. That's amazing. Does it, does this project have like a name that people can like go and find? Well, everything right now is through my social media accounts, which have kind of uh, consolidated my branding. So everything across the board is right off the grid, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I mean, that's where I'm releasing the, the, the post end product of the videos and the, and the photos. Uh, but it's also where I'm posting what events are available. And like, I'm, there's no one specific project name. I'm, I'm working with so many different people. Uh, High Point Adventures is out of Colorado. And Rob Anthony invited me on a lion hunt a couple years ago. And I said, yeah, like, I mean, heck yeah, let's go on a lion hunt. Uh, but I'm sitting in bed that night and I've got a number 30 SDI all-time cougar in my living room. And I'm like, if I come home with another mom, she's going to kill me. (laughs) 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 I understand that. Right in the living room. So I was like, why don't I just ask him if he wants to do a vet song? So I called Rob again the the next day and I said, hey, man, let's do this. And this guy has jumped in full force so i mean he's it, we, we ran a vets lion hunt that year we, we've run a second one since he has gone and locked on land from uh farmers and ranchers around colorado we got mule deer hunts going we got gold star hunts going so like, he's the main nonprofit i'm working with so he's established that in high point adventures um but you know you start bringing on other other people that have different at- uh, assets and different networks and and we're all just trying to do cool stuff for people and and deserving people and and film it. So, I mean, I brought on another Marine from Washington, Chris Mann, and, and high range hunting is his thing. And he's I, I can't make it to everything, so I, I'm, we're starting to train people up on on the, the media end of it, and it's just it's growing fast. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say it's consolidated under under one project name. I mean, we even got something going on with those Canadian vets, you know. So. Yeah, yeah that, why don't you go into that, kind that, of what that is. That's a really cool concept. Walk everyone through that. Okay, so Full Metal Outdoors is in its infancy right now. I met uh, two vets, two Army uh, Canadian Army vets. They actually came to the Horicon Duck Hunt. Um, oh, man, this was probably seven years ago. They've come twice. They've, they came that year, and I think they came three years later. And they approached me. Uh, about, I mean, they've got four or five guys on the Canadian staff, but adding U.S. vets to it because, you know, the, these guys chew the same dirt and sand with us. Um, and it's basically the same concept as, as what I'm doing, but with Canadian, Iraq, and Afghanistan vets. And we're going to probably add one or two more guys from the U.S. side and, and get those guys down here for hunts for species and you know, geographical regions, they don't have available to them on a regular basis. And, you know, like they've got Alberta and BC, man, who doesn't want to go hunt there for whatever. <laughs> I mean, right. they yeah. And I'm sure they'd enjoy taking a poke down here at things like the Osceola and uh, some of the, you know, Sitka is another really good option that they'll never have up there. You know, that's a really cool exchange. And we're just, it, it's, it's the same concept. It's, 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 uh, 
brotherhood outdoors uh, with an emphasis on, on, on PTSD healing through the outdoors. Yeah. And that's pretty heavy. Uh, you experienced it. I experienced it. Uh, coming back and just getting into the woods, really, there's nothing better for a vet, in my opinion. I think it is the best healing option for you. I mean, Mother Nature is it's got a way of recorrecting itself, and psychology is a, a, a byproduct of, of the natural world, albeit a, uh, an only human thing, but being outdoors and, and you know, I, I tell people all the time, like, I don't have to shoot something to have a successful hunt. And I think that's a concept that's being lost by by the social media world. Oh, so I didn't shoot the biggest axis deer yesterday, but I, but I watched a, a badger and a rattlesnake fight. Like, that's good enough for me. That was awesome. You know, like, that was. <laughs> yeah, you can't beat that. Come on. You know, it, it just being out there kind of resets your mind. It gives you a blank slate. For sure. And, and you see, you see this a lot with a lot of the veterans. Like they, they totally, they go into it with one mindset and come out with a totally different. I, I think they kind of know, and then, and they've seen testimonials and, you know, they're, They've got one guy in their, their platoon that was from, you know, the mountains of Montana that says, hey, man, you know, like, this is keeping me even as fly fishing or whatever it is that they like to do hunting or outdoor-wise. Um, but when they see it themselves, the, the revelation is there. And you, know, you can you can almost watch it, uh, especially with guys that show up that, that are having a tough time or, or look a little more reserved when they show up to camp. Also, you just see them come out of their shell and it's like, this is exactly what they needed. But again, it goes back to the, I mean, the, the camaraderie aspect is part of it. It's not just the outdoors that, that brings them back into like, there's so many more people out here like me that are dealing with the same things I deal with. And this, this is a way to, to, to bond and, and to, to move forward and get, you know, repurpose oneself. Absolutely. I mean, even even the people that don't that haven't been to war and haven't had PTSD or have little things going on in their lives. I mean, the outdoors has saved them. Um, I know I have a couple kids that I grew up with that you know weren't were kind of part of the rough crowd and kind of went off track. And now being in their early thirties, um, this has all kind of changed their life when they started to realize it. And then they get an archery shooting or gun shooting or whatever, and it's just totally changed them to be such a better person. And it's just crazy how the outdoors is such a great healing tool. Well, I look at it too from a uh, you know I'm. It's political, but it's not political. When you when you, when people think of hunters, they usually think you know, red blooded, right wing. But I'm seeing a lot of uh, uh, people that are left minded get into it from uh, you know these are the people like oh GMOs and uh, genetically altered food. It, they're getting into it for the natural providing aspect, and 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 it, it kind of like. It, it centers all people, pun intended. You know, it brings everybody to the center. We're all the same. We're all from, we all came from the guy throwing the spear. It, 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 that's where we came from. And we've lost that. Uh, it, I mean, I think it's attributed to Chief Seattle 
the, the farther a man goes from nature, the harder his heart becomes. I love that because it's true. Absolutely. I mean, all you got to do is look back over the past four months and realize how far people have fallen from our basic instincts. You know, oh, the grocery store is closed. How do we get food? Right. You people know. are buying buying up I mean, it, <laughs> toilet it's the, paper. It's the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> you know, do you think the Cherokee gave a shit if 7-Eleven was closed? <laughs> no. no. I mean, it, it, I'm glad that I, I'm, I'm my oldest stepdaughter has jumped to it into it like my son there's no question like he's and i'm not even going to force it on him he's, he's just already an animal I and mean, he's 14 almost 15 months and just inquisical about it but being able to teach them where it comes from and and provide they know damn well not to complain if there's food put on the table that I went out and hunted. I went out and scouted. I spent the time. I froze my butt off, and I butchered. <laughs> there best not be complaints because exactly. it's all how much work. But I mean, the, the, you guys know when you when you fishing and and hunting when you when you put the work in it, that it makes you feel more complete. Oh, absolutely. And especially when you live on it. I mean, like we were talking off off air, like you're you're going to go and kill a, a buffalo just just to feed the family for the year so that you have well, meat in the freezer. Yeah. Uh, last year, I, I think I only got to pull the trigger like 10 times. And because because I'm putting all these hunts on and I was talking to Blake Marshall at King of Eights down there in Texas. Um, and. I said, hey, man, what you got down there? I, I need to fill a freezer. He's like, you want to kill a bison? And I was like, do I? You know I mean? <laughs> That's a dumb question. <laughs> so I'm, I'm heading down there in a few weeks, uh, going to smoke a bison. We're, we're debating a uh, bow or we're debating uh, – I kind of want to do it horseback, 45-70 lever action. And, and uh. yeah, just throw a bowling ball through its shoulder. Um, I mean, it, it is Texas. It is – a bison it, it's not like it's like you know you're the great white hunter it, it's not going to be a a challenging hunt um it's it's a meat hunt and, and we're going down there for the, for that purpose butcher that up and i mean i've got some other side hustles down there we're going to do some uh uh cat hunting in laredo for bobcats and predators um and film a whole bunch of stuff we're gonna do some hog hunting with thermals but i mean i'm going down there with the sole purpose of filling the freezer so I can concentrate on the rest of the stuff and take that pressure off and be able to put on more hunts for more people and not have that in the back of my mind, like, well, I better smoke this spike buck because <laughs> <laughs> yep. now you have like a fascination with bison, don't you? Because I see a lot of pictures with bison that you take. They are a very photogenic species. Um, okay. And I, I, and I mean, you can find them. Did, did a lot of bison picture pictures in uh, Teddy Roosevelt in North Dakota, um, South Dakota, um, Yellowstone. Obviously, I mean, I've I've been to Yellowstone three times now, and it. I mean, the last time we were there, I took the whole family, and I mean, I, I the itinerary and daily schedule was not. Uh, uh, very popular with the kids because it was I mean, we, we did 
eight states in 11 days and like five national parks. And I'm up at crack of dawn. I let them sleep in, but I, I would head down to Lamar Valley and just photograph bison as like the, the fogs coming off the Yellowstone river. And I'm like, they're just a photogenic species. And they're, I mean, they're, they're badass, you know, they are <laughs> right. They are wicked badass. <laughs> I mean, short of the bald eagle, there's no, I, I'm going to just say it's the only, it's the most American mammal on the continent. I agree with that, hundred percent. I mean, it, it, it is American. Yeah, I um, could. They go well with uh, Budweiser, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they go well with anything. I've, I've got this vision of like the Budweiser Clyde, Clydesdales coming and with the the carriage and an eagle screeching and these bison like <laughs> running in the Yellowstone Valley right now. I think we got a commercial. I think you just like you just coined their next Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> That's exactly what I was picturing. And then, and then Chuck Norris comes out and just says, America. What well, I mean, yeah, you're done. Yeah. You will never have a more American commercial than that. Is that is that like the American dream that we send around to all the countries? Like right, this, this is what you get. <laughs> wow. Eagles shit and Budweiser's with bison. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Oh, we, uh, or we could compare compare and contrast that to Chop or Chaz or Soy Malia or whatever they're calling it right now. And like, it's this and oh, we got that too, you know? Yeah, pick your side. <laughs> Vegans, Vegans Whale, they were calling it. Jeez. Yeah, it's the dumbest shit in the world. I, I I find it comical. I'm like, this is this is exactly the opposite of everything that people I associate with stand for. And, and there it is on display. Eat your heart out. Yeah. Well, that is also media has put the focus the entire country into a six block radius now, and uh, they're <laughs> they're missing the rest of the country. We'll find out soon. I mean, it it it. It's interesting. It, where where we're going is going to be determined pretty shortly here. I think you're right. I think uh, a lot of us are have been preparing for this for a very long time. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Yep. Exactly. So so I guess. I, sorry, I got a little distracted. He's all worked up over there. Yep. Um, no, I mean, you you get to do some really cool hunts, man. I, I mean, like you last year, you you did an alligator hunt, right? It seems like you do a lot of them. Yeah, uh, I've gone down to Louisiana. I want to say three out of four, of, three out of the last four years in September, and I got a good buddy down there, uh, Mark Vote, and he runs a. a I mean, th- this guy is full cage, and he runs a shrimp boat, a crab boat, and an airboat for uh, shooting alligator, gar, redfish. I mean, it, they are a people that lives off the land, and they live in an ecosystem that actually can support that. I mean, it's it, th- there's everything down there: ducks, hogs, gators, uh, shrimp, fish, and and I mean, it doesn't matter where you're you're your economic status is everybody does it and it's kind of cool to, to see that um but mark mark runs an airboat down there and we'd go down and we'd we'd whack gar and redfish with the bows and i've been i'm planting the seed and i'm like hey man i really like shooting alligator and he he said you know just give me time and took him a year or two and he finally had the right guy set up and and kimmy serenier 
Uh, I mean, he's from Delacroix, Louisiana. Um, I mean, they are. I love Cajun people. I'll, I'll just say it. They are. They are just fun to be around because it's like redneck swamp people. Hell yeah, let's go. Let's go do this and <laughs> let's go frog gigging. Oh yeah, um, it's nonstop. Kimmy had uh, gator tags and he hooked it up. So we went and uh, we hook and lined them. So for people that don't know what that is, you basically have a, a cane pole anchored into the, the bank with, with with a rope and a hook and a chicken on it. And the, the gators will come up to eat and get hooked and you battle them to the boat and shoot them with a, a rifle right in the head and move on to the next line. And it, it in airboats, which is just awesome that you're, you're just rolling around in a fan boat, you know. That's wild. That must be a crazy experience. Is that something that's done during the day or at night? Uh, I mean, you could hunt them at night because then you can see them a little better with uh, yeah, their shine eyes. shine their eyes. But it, it's a recovery thing. It, 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 you're going to wound a lot more. So you just you bait, bait in the afternoon and go check in the morning. Right. So what Oh, go ahead. I, I, we, I think we took three gators that that day. That was just that day. That's incredible, man. So, wh- what was like the crazy ex- experience of being down in Louisiana? I mean, like we all think about it. We, I'm thinking crazy, <laughs> like swamp, bayou guys with no teeth that are like just crawling around with the snakes. And I mean, it's it's got to be the craziest experience uh, ever. There's some of that, but there's a whole nother side of Louisiana down there. So. Uh, Ryan, give us your worst, and then I got one to share that I think you'll uh, get a kick out of. Well, there, there, there's three things that kind of stick out, and, and the first one's not like crazy or anything, but we're in a, a, a boat with a mud motor pushing through these bogs. I mean, there's there's water moccasins and all kinds of shit that can kill you, gators, and you're, you're one guy's at the front of the boat, leaned off the the edge as you motor up to big bullfrogs and catch them with your hands. And I was like, what if this is a gator? What if this is a snake? I mean, you're like, <laughs> right. but they, they were passing around a, a, a flask of whiskey and my buddy's dad was playing like harmonica. And I was like, this is the most, swamp. <laughs> you know, the fog's rolling over the top of the swamp. And I'm like, this is, this is some real swamp people stuff right here. And it, it wasn't like crazy. It was just like, it had this like feeling to it. I'm like, all is right in the world right now. Um, the second we're on a crab boat, we're going to check pots and we roll up to this shrimp trawler and they've got a, uh, one of their nets is caught on a piling and we roll up and I'm with Mark, you know, so Mark speaks their dialect yeah, that French Cajun. Yeah, I mean, and this dude starts talking because we're just going to go, you know, help him on hook from the piling. And it, I swear, I mean, Farmer Fran from the water boy, and I'm just oh, like, yeah. what in the, and I just start rolling camera. And I'm like, I have no idea what this guy's saying. And we unhook him and he waves and, and he's got a straw hat on and everything. We, we pull away and I was like, Mark, what did that guy say? He's like, man, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> They do exist. <laughs> but the craziest. So I got up early and they've got those black bellied whistling ducks. Uh, 
they're they're a weird duck and they they fly with their feet out they land on rooftops and and power lines and trees and i just wanted to get up early we're sleeping on a shrimp boat but we're in a really really expensive neighborhood with all the canals uh really upper upper class neighborhood i mean million dollar homes right so i got up early to go film these ducks landing on this guy's roof uh it was at the end of the uh before it went into the bayou at the end of the canal and this big fat guy gets out of his house i mean it, it i mean the sun is just coming up and he's in his underwear mind you still this is a million dollar four-story on stilt home brick I mean, the whole nine yards and this dude looks at me and i'm standing there with a camera and he's just in his tidy whities and he's like oh you window and i was like uh I'm just filming the ducks. And he's like, but who'd you went though? And I said, I'm not doing anything wrong. He goes, I know, but who'd you went though? And I said, I'm with Mark. And he goes, well, why don't you say something? Let me put some pants on. I want to show you my turtles. And I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he was, he was saying who you with. Yeah, we went down. Yep. And so he comes back out with uh, your pants on, and, he, and we walk him through like the back of his, you know, his gated yard, and he's got this pit dug, and he's got alligator snapping turtles in this pit that are, I mean, as big as my arms can go around. He's got a couple of them in there, and he's pulling these things out, and, and he's like, I'm showing my snakes too, and he's got rattlesnakes and all kinds of. I'm like, man, this is. And this guy's affluent, you know. He's he's got money. It, 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 it's weird because you don't see that outside of there. Where once people get money and status, they think that their shit don't stink. And down there, they're still full red blooded Cajun. Don't matter how much money they got. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They just live in a bigger house. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they got more turtles in their backyard. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's no lie. So I've got a, a Louisiana story that I think you'll get a kick out of uh, awesome. related to gators. However, uh, we weren't fortunate to hunt it, even though technically it could have been roadkill. So I was one of those guys that was lucky enough to be stationed at Fort Polk, Louisiana. So four years <laughs> of that. And uh, yeah, you're laughing. You already know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were out. We were, uh, we were doing our JRTC rotation right before Afghanistan. We were doing a, a night movement to a, a village to go out and do some training. And my first sergeant said, slow down, there's a bump up front. And we just kept rolling, went to go over the bump. Well, the bump turned out to be about an 11-foot gator. And <laughs> when we hit this thing, we hit it with the right front wheel, dead center in the body, and it snapped the A-arm of the, the Humvee, blew the tire out, and left us stranded on the side of the road, and the gator turned around and walked off, went right back into the swamp. So <laughs> that's that was my first wake-up call to, okay, well, it's going to take a lot more than uh, a Humvee to kill a, a gator. That, that's a Louisiana Saturday night right there. Yes, sir. But that puts it in perspective on how tough they actually are, like a Humvee. Well, yeah, but all I could think afterwards was if you had a set of gator skin boots on in combat – nothing would be going through them. <laughs> IED proof. You aren't lying. <laughs> Screw a V-hole. Give me gator right. skin. 
That's insane. So it seems like Louisiana is the place to be then. I mean, that's the coolest part about doing what I do is traveling around this country and seeing all the differences and, you know, how we talk and what our culture is, uh, you know, subcultures within, within the United States and different culinary stuff and seeing how different we are, but how, how the same we are and, and, and just meeting all these people. I mean, it, it, you could say, I, I mean, I could tell stories about people from Maine or people from Arkansas or, or Texans and, and, and Idahoans. I mean, there, there's, it's so cool to be in such a diverse yet unified country uh, full of awesome people. For so sure. Where, where was like your favorite place to travel to and hunt? Oh boy, uh, I I couldn't say I have a favorite. It, it's tough to not include Texas into that because you can do anything. I well, mean, Texas it, is its own country, <laughs> the best country in the world. If it wasn't yeah. so blasted hot, I'd live there. Unless you have to drive border to border on the ten. Across it, yeah. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it goes out the window. I mean, Texas, you can shoot cranes and um, you can the, – the duck hunting's quite underrated. Um, they've got snow geese. They've got awesome whitetail, hogs, javelina. they got gators in some parts. I mean, they got – and then I'm not even including the exotics. I mean, they got everything right there. Oh, um, yeah. So, I mean, it would be tough not to include Texas. That's probably the place I've hunted the most outside of my home state. (laughs) Yeah, it's just crazy because you've done Alaska too, right? I've I've only hunted ducks in Alaska. Uh, I'm working on some other stuff, uh, but we did the St. Paul Island uh, for sea ducks for the King Eiders and Harlequin. I hear Trev drooling already. Yep. I think we can hang up the phone now. No. <laughs> uh, that's the coolest hunt I've ever been on, just overall, because of how just, A, we almost died every day just because you're <laughs> you're battling you're battling the Bering Sea. You know, and you're in a 14-foot glorified dinghy because that maneuvers the waves a little better, so you're in a, you're in a Zodiac, uh, and you leave what they call the, the washing machine, and it, it's a pretty good description of uh, when you come out of the harbor and out into the Bering Sea, that's the washing machine because you're going to get tossed every which way. We come out of the harbor one day, and the boats from the deadliest catch are coming back in. You know, these are guys that are like battling life and death every day for their job, and they're coming in to offload all their crabs. And whoever was on the deck must have yelled down to the engine room in the galley, like, you got to come see these idiots, you know? Because <laughs> 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 they they're all up on the bow of the boat, like, pointing and laughing at us. We're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to kill ducks, you know? <laughs> That's wild. When you have you know, those it's... guys laughing at you, calling you crazy, you've done something right. <laughs> oh, we, got, we were there for five days, and we got the boats out maybe twice, I think. It, it, you just you got to make a executive decision. I mean, no duck is worth dying for. Um, my wife was pregnant at the time, so I got that in the back of my head. I'm like, I'm going to die in the freaking, on this ocean, or in this island in the, between Alaska and Russia for a duck. Um, so, I mean, we only got the boats out two, three times. Uh, and the and you hunt from shore, and the days you're hunting from shore, it's, it, 
it's because it's so nasty out there. You can't use dogs. Um, it's illegal to use dogs or even have dogs on the island because it's a seal breeding ground. So you're hand retrieving these out of rocks as like Poseidon's fury is smashing against the rocks. Wow. That's incredible. Now, do you have a video on that on your YouTube page? I do. I do. I have. Awesome. It's the first video. It's the first one I released on YouTube when I kind of went on my own. That's incredible, man. I'm, I'm going to, I don't think that's, that's one of them I haven't seen yet. I definitely have to check that out. So were you able to get your King and your Harlequin? Oh yeah. I mean, Jeremy Allman, uh, he's a guy from Michigan uh, that is, he owns the outfit business and he's very, very experienced uh, uh, diver duck guide. Um, and, and, and a lot of people don't realize how, how dangerous the great lakes are, you know? So, I mean, he, he's, he's a very skilled captain and he opened up shop over there. And, um, I mean, me and three other guys were in our group and Jeremy saved his birds when I was going to be there, like his birds that he was going to shoot that season. Cause you can only shoot four Harlequins and four Kings for the whole season. Wow. And he saved his so we could get it all on film and we all we all shot all our birds awesome um, so i came home with four kings and uh two really good harleys that are all going into taxidermy that's like that's like every every waterfowler's dream is those two birds like that's like that those are the two birds the king anyways oh, sure. I, i've got a pretty good relationship with my taxidermist and we're, we're coming together with a pretty cool plan underneath my steps and, and uh, going down to the basement, the basement's all finished. Um, and so the, the steps are all drywalled out and, and painted and underneath there. He's going to build a scene that's got black sea rock, acrylic waves, and we're going to have two old squaw drakes, uh, two, two Harlequin drakes, Two Har- or two King Eider Drakes, uh, two Common Eider Drakes, and then the, the trifecta of scoters all in one. You know, some are flying, some are perched, some are on the water, some are swimming. It's going to be a whole big scene. Oh my God, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, that thing will be protected like like Fort Knox. <laughs> well, while we're talking about it, so I just I'm redoing my basement now to to be a studio um, for a podcast and then video and so on and so forth. Uh, since we're going to video podcast, and I have a short wall um, on one of the sides. So what I'm actually doing is getting a hold of the owners of TDB, and I'm going to try and get the inside bench um, against the blind side where we would stack all the birds on. Uh, the shelf that's inside of it and I'm going to put it along the wall and build the scene behind it like it's the inside of the the TDB boat and that's going to be the short wall and then I'm going to put all of the birds laying on there Um, all the drakes, sea ducks and divers are all going to go on the shelf on the inside of it so something different badass you know Yeah. especially we hunt out of a TDB all the time so that's that's kind of why you know it's got that that sediment that um that you know that value to me uh, we're, we're running out of room in this house for stuff yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just add a room <laughs> well, when, when i met my wife we, we, we met on the internet 
on a dating site and we're conversation was going very well back and forth. We I mean, we got off the site and started texting. We were firing texts off back and forth. And she said, well, is there anything wrong with you? You just seem perfect. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull out the rap sheet. <laughs> right? So I was just joking. I was like, I have a lot of taxidermy. And she's like, no, that's okay. And then when we moved in together, she's like, I thought you meant like, you know, two white tails, maybe a turkey, not all of Africa. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you did forewarn. <laughs> yeah, I told her. And I mean, I think we got like 40 things at the taxidermist right now. So there's so much more coming. And every wow. time that I she'll hear me on the phone booking a hunt or organizing a hunt, she'll, I'll just hear like off in the distance. And then she's walking into the kitchen from the office. No more taxidermy. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, she in, is she into the outdoors also? Does she hunt or... She's, she's never hunted. She's come with me on a turkey hunt. Um, she came with me the first year we were together, her and my oldest stepdaughter, um, and on her – get this. So I, I, I've been with her a year at this point, and I'm out – and I, I moved back up to northeast Wisconsin, and I was living in southeast Wisconsin uh, to you know start our lives together. So I've been with her, living with her for a year, and turkey season comes along, and I'm like struggling to pick up new land because I'm the new guy in town. You know, everybody's got their favorite spots and their permission from their whatever farmers. And I've driven by this field, which is in city limits, but it's huntable, it's legal to hunt, and it's just loaded with birds. I drove by it a hundred times, and she never said nothing. And I was like, man, I really want to figure out who owns this field. And she goes, oh, my grandpa owns that. And I'm like, <laughs> you've literally been in the truck with me when there's birds out there and you, you didn't want to tell me you know she's like well, i didn't know and i'm like oh my god so anyways we we got to uh i got to bring them along it was my my oldest stepdaughter and her were in the blind with us or with me and i called a tom in off four or five hens and I let him get to about five yards, and they kept going, to shoot him? And I was like, I'm going to let this one play out as long as possible. I mean, he was on a string. He was just dancing and fanning, and I smoked him. I don't even think the wad opened up. I mean, he, was, he was so close. But it was, it was cool to have them be able to see that. And, and I mean, it as good of a turkey hunt as you could possibly get. They got to see that and witness that. And, and now my stepdaughter hunted her whole first season. We didn't get her a bird, but uh, she she's out there grinding, so. That's amazing. So you've converted her into hunting. I never pushed it on her. And she said she wanted to take hunter safety. So, uh, you know, I helped her go through the book and study and she aced her test and we're out there all, all, all spring. She, I, I, she hunted quite a bit with me. That's, that's incredible, great, man. That's, that's absolutely great. So you've converted not only veterans, but now your stepdaughter. And I've got another stepdaughter after her before my son's ready. And hopefully, and the only reason she wants to hunt right now, the, the Lizzie, my, my second, is that I told her if that she, if she shoots a bird before Madison, she's allowed to make fun of her for life. That's all she cares about is bragging rights. She could care less to hunt at this point. I mean, she's seven, but once she found out that she could, she could talk smack about it. She's all in. <laughs> hey, that could be the start to something very crazy. You could be creating a beast. 
whatever way you could motivate them to get them out there. And <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's got to be more complex trying to get young females out into the woods compared to a vet. You know, any vet's gonna go, yeah, I'll go shoot some shit. You know, I mean, she doesn't know it yet, but you know, it. it, it starting where she's at and and she puts the time in and learns I'm, i'll teach her everything i know um you know eventually get her behind the camera if she wants to that i bought both cameras before we went out to uh uh do our uh yellowstone trip and awesome i can give her the tools and women have a, a little bit of an advantage in in the social media game at least and and i was like look if i will never let you put huntress behind your name because i think that that is demeaning and you're a hunter good and man you're as good as the boys if not better That's just right. by your own individual achievements and efforts and and, and knowledge and you could go a long way and, and once she realizes that i think that, that she'll jump into it even harder Amen, brother. That's perfect. Amen. Hey, man, I got a question for you. It's something we always ask here on the Outdoor Drive, and that is uh, what drives you outdoors, man? I struggled. Well, because I had struggled so hard when I came home uh, from a spiritual aspect, uh, the outdoors is my connection to my maker, Um it, it, he created this earth and nature and animals for us to pursue and enjoy our time in the outdoors. Um, so that, that, that's my, that is my theology right there. Cause I don't do well in a, a brick and mortar building. That's, that's probably the most empowering, um, what drives you outdoors we've heard yet, man. For sure. It's probably the best. <laughs> and, and it, I, I grew up uh, in a uh, severely Catholic family, uh, Irish, German, Belgian, and went wow. to Catholic school. And I mean, I can tell you every teacher I had's name because my desk was right next to theirs. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you grow up in a hunting family? No. Um, my father didn't hunt at all i mean he hunted he hunted as a kid and like i don't know what started it other than i think you know growing up in a small town i grew up in a town of nine thousand people that was very rural surrounding it and that's what everybody else was doing um so i i will say my father um not having a clue as to you know we didn't have decoys we didn't have blaze orange even we didn't have guns he bought me my first shotgun he bought me you know my first set of blaze orange clothes and i shot my first deer with him it, despite neither one of us not having clues what we're doing we did it together and I, I i think that was pretty cool that that you know him that not being in his realm of things that he still made it a priority wow that's awesome. And, and you were obviously pretty young. Oh, I was probably 14, I think. Wow. That's awesome, man. Especially doing even, it together. Even later on when I got back, you know, as I started jumping into the, the hunting world, um, 
it was still a trial and error. And I, I, I guess it's always a trial and error. I learned something new every time I'm out. Um, we went on a predator hunt together in northern northwest Wisconsin, which is pretty desolate area uh, population wise. Um, and me and him are in white bed sheets and in us in the snow, calling in coyotes, and neither one of us having a clue as to what we we're doing. But we just had a good time because it was, it was that togetherness. And that poor old guy, he grabs his. His compass. Now, Northwest Wisconsin has the largest iron ore deposits in the bedrock of pretty much anywhere in the continental United States. So he pulls his compass out. He's like, I'll figure out how to get us back. And I was like, Dad, I said, look at your needle. And it's just spinning. And I was like, they make GPSs these days. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that is priceless. <laughs> so, so, Ryan, is there anything you want to leave the, the listeners with, man? Like, Anything at all? Uh, and, and, you know, besides if, if you got something uh, that you want to collaborate on for for vets, for kids, for, I mean, Gold Star families, uh, even something I think we're going to expand into a little more is first-time adult hunters, uh, getting just getting new people into uh, – I don't want to call it a sport because it's not a sport to me. Getting new people into the traditions and lifestyle. <laughs> Um, get a hold of me on, on, on social media and, and shoot me a message. I respond to everybody and, you know, if we can make some work, we will, and we'll put our resources together and, and, uh, see what we can make happen for other people. And, um, just spreading the good message of why we hunt, uh, from traditions and, and, uh, ethics standpoint in, in a, in a social media world where everything's tits and ass and, uh, people doing it for the wrong reasons what's 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 spread the right reasons absolutely man and 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 one more time man why don't you tell everybody your social media and your accounts where they can find you uh youtube uh, subscribe that'd be awesome ryan off the grid and then same thing on facebook and instagram at ryan off the grid awesome man yeah that's great man Ryan, I really can't thank you enough for jumping on here. It's always good to have a fellow brother in arms and uh, for sharing some of your story and getting that out. Hopefully, again, like you do, it'll influence some of our listeners who are veterans and who could use this extra help making that transition back to the civilian world. So added, added to that, you know, not just people that are, you know, may have something that we could collaborate on. I, I respond to a lot of people that just reach out because they got a question I'm, I'm not above that i'm not i'm not the, the greatest hunter on the planet i'm just a regular dude and I've, I've built some relationships through random instagram messages and next thing you know i find myself hunting with that person you know so if they got any questions on stuff i'm, I'm always uh, available as much as possible i will get to you and i will respond for sure man and that's great you don't get the that from a lot of people in the industry these days, you have your real people and then you have normal people. It's guys like you that are really going to keep things rolling. Again, thanks for jumping on and uh, thanks for being that influential kind of person that's out there to help others, not yourself. I think it makes a big difference in this world, a big difference in this industry. Anyone who has questions or possible opportunities for Ryan and some of the vets, 
hit him up, make that connection, make it happen. And in the meantime, we want to thank you guys for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. 